This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Go to audible.animaniacast.com to not only pick up one, but two free audiobooks for free with your Audible trial. Here's a hint of one of the books you should probably get. Voice lessons. Yes, audible.animaniacast.com. Enjoy two free audiobook downloads. Just sign up at audible.animaniacast.com. And welcome, everybody, to a special episode of the Animaniacast. Hey, you guys, it's Rob Paulson here. Um, I am so thrilled that we have the Animaniacast to continue to find a way to help me to get a freaking job. Thank you for listening. Bye. And welcome once again, everybody, to the Animaniacast. This is the only podcast out there that's dedicated to the animated television series, Animaniacs. And here we discuss each episode, episode by episode, one by one. In fact, we already did it. We actually are talking about Pinky the Brain, Freakazoid, and Tiny Toon Adventures as well. We talk about all the cultural references and gags and stuff like that. But today, we're not talking about that. We're talking about... Oh, a certain book that's going to be coming out pretty soon? An Animaniacs comic book. Mm. I am Joey, and joining me once again is our co-host in California. It's my brother, Nathan. Ah, burp, spit, camel. And across the country in Georgia, it's Kelly. Hello. Hello, everybody. And we we got Kelly in today for a comic book discussion. Woo, Ooh, we tricked her. We tricked her. <laughs> they said they were going to talk about a book, so I was like, I'll be there. <laughs> okay, technically, we're talking about two books. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That is true. We're, well, let's we're, let's go over. We're going to be talking about a book that's going to be coming out very soon. And, and I know a lot of our audience members are very excited about this book. This is Voice Lessons by Rob Paulson. This is his, uh, I guess this is, this is, a, is it a memoir or an autobiography or somewhere in the middle? I don't know. Uh, autobiography. Autobiography. Uh, but also memoir. I don't know. It's going to be somewhere <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> it's something like that. Well, anyway, That's a good question. That's a good question. I don't know the answer to good questions anyway. Well, <laughs> we we were lucky enough to get review copies Kelly was able to sweet talk us all into getting review copies. So thank you, Kelly. I'm the best. You are. You are. I love you guys. (laughs) Yay. But the book does not come out until October 8th. Uh, So we were lucky to get our review copies and uh, I'll read them. And we're going to be talking about kind of what our basically give a quick kind of review, kind of give our impressions of the book, some of our favorite moments. And we're going to try not to spoil anything because, of course, you all want to go out there and actually buy this book in October, and uh, that's really what you should do. There's also, a, I know, an audio book going to be coming out as well. Um, that's what I'm excited for. Yeah, the, the I don't think there's any release date on that, but I know that Rob was just recording it a couple weeks ago. So, I don't know, maybe, maybe this holiday season, but that might be kind of pushing it. But whatever, it's coming out soon. Uh, but yeah, what, let me just ask you guys, I guess in a few words, what were your general thoughts about this, um, book? Uh, Nathan, let's, let's start with you. I thought it was a fun read and, uh, I just couldn't put it down, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cause I had to read it before the show. <laughs> exactly. You could not, you had a deadline and you had to read it. Uh, <laughs> Kelly, what about you? It, it was a very, very interesting read. But um, most importantly, it had a lot about Steven Spielberg in it. There you mm-hmm. go. Yes. So, uh, yeah, this book covers everything from Rob Paulson's childhood and his teenage years to, uh, you know, starting off with acting and eventually going off to California, how he got into voice acting. And then, you know, it even has these little uh, side stories where he's, He's talking about uh, in the future. It kind of goes back and forth with the uh, 
the present and the past. So not to get too much into spoilery things in this, uh, in our talk, but in chapter one, he essentially confirms that a few years ago, they did have a meeting with Sam Register and some of the other executives over at, at uh, Warner Brothers. And uh, they all talked about how there was going to be a reboot of mm-hmm. Animaniacs. So they did know about it. Now, they don't confirm. <laughs> he, does, he doesn't say whether he's involved with the reboot necessarily, but he does allude to it a lot. <laughs> yeah. he And yeah, he basically, there are... yeah, there's this whole, you know, bit of like, oh, Steven wants us to, you know, Steven wants Animaniacs to come back. And, uh, and then yeah. talking about, it, and then it kind of transitions into, oh wait, we haven't told you haven't told him about you have cancer, mm. and of course that's what a, a large portion of this book is about. It's not just about acting. It's not just about his trip to California, but it's about his trip uh, through finding out he had cancer and his treatment and his and what life is like today. Because mm-hmm. it's not like it's. Uh, you kind of think like, oh, cancer is over, and now you're completely back to normal. And that isn't really the the case, uh, you know, with him. So, he's, you know, he's still kind of in a recovery, I would say, from, mm-hmm. from those cancer treatments. So, let's go ahead and talk about, I guess, just some moments in general that you guys uh, were highlights for you. Things that you really appreciated in this book. Um, Nathan, what, what are some things that you really liked about this book? Um, I liked hearing about him coming to California because I went to California and I just like hearing um, what it took for him to make it in the uh, in the acting world, whether he made it or not. I don't want to say whether he no spoilers. Uh, yeah, no spoilers, <laughs> whether he was. <laughs> well, that's especially but, nice. I mean, especially for you going off to California with your wife, who's, you know, a, a aspiring actress. To be, I mean, she's been, you know, of course, in back. She's been in a few movies and stuff, right? Or TV shows as, you know, oh, yeah. background actress yeah I was like, <laughs> starring roles uh, <laughs> starring no. roles as extra number 57 um yeah. <laughs> but it's tough yeah i mean there's a lot of rejection and a lot of no phone calls and and it's yeah it's a tough business just, yeah and he talks about you know you, you need to be part of the sag to work for sag but also you can't work for sag unless you <laughs> you can't get sag unless you work for sag and you can't work for sag unless you have sag so just how do you get it? So yeah. he talks about that a lot. So it's, yeah. it's interesting. Kelly, what about you? Well, one of the um, my favorite parts was when he was talking about uh, they got uh, a call to go and, and visit Stephen at his office. And he uh, he makes a uh, he, he, here's a quote from the book. We were journeymen actors getting the Hollywood equivalent of a papal audience, which, of course, makes me think of. Uh, Hooked on a ceiling, his yes. eminence. <laughs> but he's he's talking about reaching uh, or uh, meeting Spielberg, and that there are very few people who have reached that level of success and have his class. He serves as a wonderful example of how to behave if you're fortunate enough to cultivate some sort of power and celebrity. And uh, he says that uh, yeah, I'll go to bat for Steven Spielberg because he's convinced that uh, his interest is genuine and he makes it about you, not him. And um, I thought that was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds just like I imagine Steven Spielberg to be like, you know, this great, great, wonderful person. I don't I don't believe he's perfect, honestly, but um, he does have a uh, a really good reputation. And, you know, you do hear most you know, wealthy movie executive types can be kind of jerks, but, uh, you know, he, other than Shia LaBeouf, hashtag, uh, not still mad. Um, nobody really says anything bad about him. Hashtag LaBeouf. That'll be, yeah. yeah. Listen to a couple episodes ago. Uh, (laughs) well, yeah, I, I always like that part, right. When he's, uh, when he's talking about meeting Spielberg, I think for the first time, and Spielberg walks in and sees Tress McNeil, and he goes, "Hi, Tress," and she goes, "Hi, Steven. And He's like, "Oh, great." He, she knows she's on a first name basis with Steven Spielberg. Oh, he's just, he's Steven. so happy to be in a room with someone that's on a first name basis with Steven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, wow. 
Um, but also this is, this really goes to, I think, what's highlighted in here. And it's not that Rob is, is showing off or anything, but you really get the sense that this, we, we have segments on the show once a year, it seems like every time around his birthday, about Rob Paulson being one of the nicest people on earth. And mm-hmm. there's these segments where he's like, he's, there's, I don't want to spoil the story because it really is one of the most heartfelt things I've ever uh, heard. But he talks back to his uh, original run with Ninja Turtles and having a Ninja Turtle jacket that he gives to this young boy who is having health issues and him saying like, well, you know, I'm going to give this to you and it's going to give you turtle power. And, and, you know, the kid having this, you know, increased optimism and uh, feeling that he could do anything, even like walk (laughs) everything Mm -hmm. because of this jacket. And he's like, you know, trying to temper his expectations and, and, and everything. And it was, I don't know. I just really got the, the sense that, that Rob just, there's a there's an optimism with Rob Paulson. There's uh, a pot, just overall positivity with Rob uh, that comes through in everything that he does. But also there is the part that you know towards you know especially when he's there's a there's a section where the calls just aren't coming in. You mm-hmm. know he's gotten to a certain point in his career and all of a sudden the phone's not ringing anymore and bills start to pile up and he's going how am i going to afford all this and he just left <laughs> he just he just thought 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 of himself as a failure and 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 no matter no amount of positivity or optimism was going to help lift him out of that thing so it's not all about like look at me i'm rob paulson and i'm the most positive person in the world it, it's it's real um mm. it's there's a there's moments where you, he felt defeated and you, but at the same time, you see how he gets out of that, uh, and, and became a, even a stronger person, uh, because of those things. So, yeah. Um, I read. It's really inspirational. I mean, like, yeah. it's motivational. Absolutely. That's, that's one of the main things I got from this book was it's just a beautiful book that if you read it, you feel, you feel good. And you, I, at the end of it, I mean, there's a whole redacted chapter at the end. Nathan and I. <laughs> Actually, yeah, the pinky in the brain. Yeah, Nathan and I read the redacted chapter section a few weeks ago when we were doing our uh, Animaniacs reboot rundown, uh, which is just pinky in the brain talking about how the the miss the chapter is missing and why is that? Um, and one can only guess that it must be talking about. I'm assuming stepping into the recording booth once again to record Yakko and Pinky and what that felt like. Perhaps that's just my guess. Yeah, um, there's there's also times where just he's talking to Pinky in general. Where yes, I, that's why I would want the audiobook just to hear him. Talking yes, to himself that's right. Pinky. There's these interstitial moments where he's like having conversations between him and his characters, or his characters are talking to one another, mm-hmm. and it's just like a script of a. a and then there's a great uh, epilogue with him and Doctor Scratch and Sniff. Um, yeah, and so I yeah, the audiobook is going to be outstanding. I. Do want to get the uh, actual physical book though, obviously, in oh, yeah. October because I want to find out what that missing chapter is. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> one, what did he? What was taken out and why? Um, and of course, we just had a you know pre-publication copy, so there's always chances that uh, chapters might be you know changed or you know changed up a bit here or there. Yeah, uh, there could be typos or things. There was yeah. some one part where I was like, wait, was that supposed to be a he and not an I or something? Oh, <laughs> we better write him real quick before it goes to publication just to make sure. I'm sure. I was okay. like, either way it works. But uh, <laughs> I couldn't tell. Like, he was talking about either himself or Randy Rogel. And I was like, wait, who said this quote? Cause, well, let's talk know. about that. I mean, didn't you get the sense that, I mean, his admiration for Randy Rogel is is so high in this, in this book. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, the people that... Uh, he talks about working with Randy and just him being just a, a real a musical genius and yeah. how, and because, because part of Rob's background in this is, was singing. And I never knew that before, you know? Yeah. He'd like started off as a singer, which I didn't know that. Either, yeah. So. Yeah. I just, I just figured Rob was like, okay, you're just getting into drama and do that. But he started off as kind of like a, I don't know, kind of a rock singer with tight jeans <laughs> talks about wearing tight <laughs> jeans and and uh and then doing uh kind of like uh I, I don't know it was like kind of a christian christian 
community theater kind of touring group. Um, kind of reminds me of like our brother uh, Clay, who does the emergency circus kind of thing, where it sounded like where you kind of get into a bus and you travel the country and go to schools and and uh, do do skits and stuff for for kids. Uh, but yeah, it was. I don't know. What are some other things? Anything else that you guys really thought were uh, you know of note? in this book because there's obviously a um, lot mark mark hamill uh talks about the book at the beginning so that was cool why don't the, what <laughs> why don't you read what, the, what did mark hamill say what did luke skywalker okay. have to say about his book yeah because we can always just like read the because like these are non-spoilers kind of things all right <laughs> so um as one of the most gifted prolific and beloved actors in animation it's no surprise that rob paulson's book is fascinating hugely entertaining and laugh out loud funny what I wasn't expecting was his candid, inspiration and inspirational, and ultimately life-affirming account of facing devastating medical issues with such optimism, courage, and determination. I only regret I'm too old to play him in the inevitable movie version, Mark Hamill. <laughs> yeah, and that and that's the thing. It's it's. A, I mean, what can we say? It's a story about acting. It's a story about uh, positivity. And it's a story about survival. Uh, and you really feel like it's a feel good story at the end of it, right? So, yes. Yeah. Well, should we go ahead and give this book a water tower rating? Let's sure. do it. Let's do it. Okay. So, how many water towers out of five would you give Rob Paulson's book? Let's go with Kelly. What would you say? I will give it five water towers. Uh, it was a um, an easy read, uh, meaning that uh, it it really was difficult to put down. And you know, I'd be like, "Oh, I'm only going to read a few minutes in between other projects I was working on," but I, I'd find myself just going page after page because I I didn't want to stop reading, and uh, it was a great story you know one of those hollywood success story kind of things uh midwest boy moves out to hollywood sort of story and then uh his illness and and overcoming that and very inspirational and and of course yes spielberg lots of spielberg but also a lot of information about the the voice industry and you know relationships he had with with uh, other voice actors and you know sort of a behind the scenes look at at that as well so there was it was a quick read i mean not that long of a book but there was a, a lot of information in it yeah you, you really can get through this book and honestly you could probably if you're a really good reader you could easily get through it i think in a night um if you're you know one of those fast readers but even if you're not it's just going to take you know reading a chapter can just take a an hour or so and there's only like 10 chapters or so. No, I take that back. I'm taking back it's everything. like 15. Yeah, 15. But either way, yeah. you're going to get through it pretty fast. Uh, uh, Nathan, let's go with you. Um, I guess, oh, I don't know. I'll do four and a half because there's no last, the t- last chapter was too short. I'm just pinky <laughs> in the brain. I just, so, um, just so I can't, I don't want to give it pure five stars. I just, <laughs> well, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it five, and I hear you, Nathan. I wanted, I almost like was going, I, but I can't fault it for having that missing chapter. It's, well, I can. You can. <laughs> <laughs> and I will tell you definitely, I can't wait for the audiobook because if this is, I mean, this is a five out of five uh, alone, but I mean, the audiobook is going to be fantastic as well. And just hearing the, the words, the wisdom of uh, Rob Paulson being spoken, and he even posted, I think, on either on his Facebook page or Instagram page, um, a clip of him in the recording booth recently, uh, recording some of his, uh, his lines. So, in fact, let's go ahead and play a clip of that right now. This book is dedicated to the human spirit. Now, it sounds a bit pretentious for a cartoon voice guy story, but the examples of utter courage and the everyday heroes cited herein have been and continue to be a source of inspiration, kindness, hope, and faith for me. Family, friends, and fans. We all fit those categories, and we truly are all in this together, kids. So 
If my story inspires positive action, elicits joy, gives the reader strength, well, that, I believe, is what we're all here to do for each other. Narf. Thank you, Perry, Ash, Pushy, and Taylor, for making me a lottery winner. Heart. Laughter's the best medicine. The cool thing is you can't OD, and the refills are free. So that right there was from Rob Paulson's Facebook page. Oh. Beep, 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 rap, boop, boop, boop. This just in. This is your animated cast announcer. And I'm back to let everyone know that voice lessons will be, in fact, out on October 8th. You can get your copy for free by going to audible.animaniacast.com. Voice lessons, the audio book, October 8th. Back to the studio. I ran into Rob Paulson right before Animaniacs in concert in San Diego when we were getting together. It was the most wild thing. And <laughs> here's the funny thing. I'm like going out, I'm like, oh, I better park my car and I'm going to take a picture of the marquee. So I back up and I take a picture of the marquee and it says Animaniacs in concert. I'm like, oh, great. I'm going to put that on Instagram. And then I turn around and here's this guy and I'm like, Rob? <laughs> and he's like, hey. <laughs> so... <laughs> And I got to tell him because I literally had just uh, I uh, just finished the book uh, just that day, <laughs> so I got to thank him for writing the book and uh, how it was just so, just so, just an amazing book. And so he really, he really appreciated it, and you could tell like he was just genuinely thankful for uh, his his fans. That's you know it's hey it's Rob Paulson. He's great. And here's a little here's a little hint for everybody out there. If you want to see me right before I saw Rob, go to Rob Paulson's Instagram account and check out that when he's videotaping the marquee, you can actually see me walking, uh, walking around in the <laughs> distance, looking at my phone as I'm posting my picture, about to post my picture to Instagram. I know it was so funny. I was checking out his page. I'm like, hey, wait, that's me walking right over there. That's yeah, so. anyway. Well, so go ahead and get it. And by the way, you can get your own copy of this fantastic book by going to amazon.animaniacast.com. That's our anim- that's our Animaniacast Amazon store. And every purchase made through that link, whether it's uh, pre-purchasing this book or purchasing it, uh, or really anything else that you get on Amazon through that link uh, helps out the Animaniacast. Uh, just a, a few pennies here and there. So yeah, yeah, you know. So check it out and uh, pre-order your copy today. And uh, hey, we appreciate the book and the support and whatever. Let's go and move on to the second part. This is Pinky, and you're listing to Animaniacast. You know why? Because you're going to take over the world. Narf. So, second part of today's show is a comic book review. So, we are going to be talking about episode... I want to say episode. It's a comic... What are we on? Issue 17 now? Uh, that's all right. That's right. 17. Issue 17. So this features three uh, sections. Uh, Number one, of course, it has Minerva Mink right on the cover uh, with the Beast from Beauty and the Beast, sort of. Uh, He kind of looks like he has a receding hairline or something like that. Something else is going on with Beast. But uh, she's saying, Ew, I'd rather kiss a hunchback. So obviously around this time, Hunchback of Notre Dame was coming out. But so we know Minerva's coming in this comic. And from what I've been told, I believe she makes quite a few more appearances in the comic book as well. Uh, so, yeah. The segments in this are Beauty or the Beast, featuring the Warners at a beauty uh, contest, <laughs> uh, Minerva Drama, featuring Newt and Minerva Mink, and then Slappy Squirrel comes back. Once again, with a story called No Substitute for Laughter. And, I don't know, what would you say? Let's go to Nathan first. What would you say about this comic book in a few words, Nathan? Um, it's beautiful, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's eh. a common theme in this, I guess. Sure. Maybe, maybe not the last one, but the yeah, last one has nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Kelly, what about you? I remember I used to own it. What you used to this own comic? this comic? Oh yeah. I, um, I used to go and buy all my Star Wars comics at the comic shop and order through the previews. So I had a box at the comic shop and when the Animaniacs comics came out, I'd get them every month. And, uh, I don't know how many, I, the first 20, 25 issues or something. So mm-hmm. maybe first two years. And Wow. Um, but I, I found I wasn't reading them. I was getting a lot of books. Like, I'd get Buffy, Xena, Star Wars, and I'd mostly read the Star Wars. But I realized the other ones, along with magazines I was reading and stuff, were just, things were piling up. Um, and uh, I went through and cold most of my comics years ago because they're, I had so many and they're not easy to store and they're just heavy to move from one place to another. So, okay. um, I, uh, I had tons of them. So I recognized the covers. Uh, um, so you don't have your like, Animaniacs comics anymore. I, I may have like the first one somewhere. Oh, I well, go back through my um, collection, but, uh, no, I, I know I don't have all of that's them. too bad. I, I actually saw one of them is actually worth a lot of money and I forget the number, but it's, I think, a Men in Black or X-Files uh, version of him. Oh. And okay. it is worth, at least according to one seller on eBay, which who knows if this person's actually, you know, <laughs> people sell stuff for whatever on eBay. But he's selling it for thousands of dollars. Well, that's why you have to look at the sold listings and not look what people are asking yes. for, but people are paying. Well, the reason that he's selling it for, or he or she, who knows? I'm going to say he, because guys are like jerks like that. But anyway... <laughs> But the first the reason the seller is selling it for thousands of dollars, I believe, is because the artist behind that uh, X Files or uh, Men in Black uh, comic with Animaniacs is like one of the artists from Walking Dead worked on that comic, and so it might have—I don't know—it might have even been his first uh, comic. So I don't know the uh, you know artist name off the top of my head, but he he was involved with Walking Dead, so. You know how that happens, how that increases the value of even the most obscure comics sometimes. Um, I was looking at it like an old comic issue of uh, the Batman Adventures or something. It was one. Oh, with... I'm looking at the cover of it. I, hmm. Yeah. It looks familiar. It look, it's a I weird think... cover. They're, it looks like they're half bugs or something like that. I it's may crazy have one. owned it. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The Y Files is what they. Yeah, the Y files. Yeah. Well, anyway, so there you go. That's that's that. Uh, you never know when a, when a comic book's going to be worth oh, a lot. Oh my gosh, well, it's so funny. I I'm sorry. I when you said X Files, I was like, I wonder if the cover artist was Mirren Kim. And uh, when I looked at the cover, I'm like that looks like a Mirren Kim artwork. And I'm reading that it is. And I I know her artwork because she did this really amazing picture for the Tops Star Wars Galaxy Trading Card series. Uh huh. Of Luke with the burned um, homestead in the background and the uh, smoking <laughs> corpses of his aunt and uncle. Jeez. Yeah, so she's into the grotesque uh, she, stuff, I guess, oh, huh? Yeah. Very, she has a very dark, uh, kind of surrealistic quality. Oh, but yeah. I, I found it, you know, darkly beautiful. And I was like, oh, I'm... I'm looking at her and I'm, I'm remembering her name because I loved that card. Yeah. And, and I had some of the X-Files comics, uh, Kevin J. Anderson wrote some of the X-Files stories for the comics too. So, and I do still have those. Um, and she did the cover art, I think for, for, I think a lot of the X-Files stuff. Well, there you go. So, so maybe, I mean, if I, if I still have any of in my collection, I bet I hung on to that one. Well, there you go. You might have something worth, worth some money. There you go. Maybe. You never know. Well, anyway, let's go ahead and talk about this one right here. Let's go ahead and start off with Beauty or the Beast. And Beauty or the Beast, I think the writing, usually had the writers right here at the beginning, but they wrote at the very end of this comic. So the writer was, yeah, I was like, where's the writers? Oh, they're at the end of the issue. Uh, Writer was uh, Mark McCain. Penciler was James Silvani. The inker was Scott McRae. Letterer was Bob Panaha. Colorist was Dave Tanguay. And Nathan, why don't you tell us what happens here in Beauty or the Beast? 
All right. Well, we have uh, Miss Small Town America Beauty Contest, um, and the Warners are coming out of a limo. It turns out that uh, Mr. Plotz uh, gave them an invitation to judge the uh, Miss Small Town Beauty Contest, which they're very happy to do. So they're walking in. They see they even see some of the uh, small town beauty and they get to say hello, nurse, hello, her teeth are kind of messed up. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so as they're walking in, they see the host and uh, they take off his toupee um they they're kind of hassling and like oh you're you we can make you much beautiful more beautiful or something you know <laughs> anyways they take out his false teeth and his cummerbund i don't know what that's called i don't know <laughs> <laughs> and as he's coming out his his pants are down he's singing the there she is miss small town america um, and apparently he's singing terribly, so they hit him with a mallet, and now Yakko is going to be the host, and I guess they're no longer judging the thing <laughs> as they said they were. Well, hosting um, is more fun than judging. You yeah, get to talk more. Could be more interesting for yeah the for us uh, readers too, or whatever. <laughs> um, so they get to decide what the uh, contests are now. So the first one's going to be nightgown and curler contest, where they come out in their. Um, Nightgown and curlers, and now Dot is also a contestant. So, <laughs> and uh, Wacko is also sometimes a contestant, I think. So it's just interesting. Um, <laughs> and in this first one, though, Wacko is the makeup artist or curler artist. I don't know. And he actually does all the women. And the winner is uh, Tallahassee because uh, her she has uh, Doppler radar curlers, and uh, she also has a screen that tracks hurricanes approaching her belly button. Yes, up she to two hundred miles away. Little cur- curls made out of like satellite dishes in her hair, which yeah. look kind of cute, I guess. Um, so she wins that one, Miss Tallahassee, and then they have a. So I guess they have different winners for each competition, and the next one's the ugly face uh, competition, and like Wacko is competing in this one, um, and he pretends to be a camel and spits on the host and gets disqualified, and Dot pretends to be a frog. She's doing really well, but the uh, the winner is this woman that can stretch her bottom lip over her top of her head or something. Uh, <laughs> which, uh, I guess that's Miss Mazzola. 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 And then they had the stupid questions contest. Uh-oh. Uh, and these are just, they're just dumb questions. Uh, there's not any actual answers to these, except for, I guess this, this next one was fun. Um, so the question was, uh, what big pointy stone like barrier stands between the tip of Europe and Africa? Um, and Kelly, do you know what the answer is? <laughs> the Rock of Gibraltar. <laughs> That's right. Actually, um, you know what was funny is as soon as I, I was scrolling down and I read that and I... I knew that's what it was going to be. I mean, and I, I don't even, I, I can't even claim to actually know, like, geographically speaking. I'm just like, I bet it's the Rock of Gibraltar because that's <laughs> the first thing that popped into my mind. So, um, well, the girl didn't get it right, but as a consultation prize, they dropped part of the Rock of Gibraltar on her head. So that was nice. Um, and the winner was Dot, even though she didn't answer a question, but, you know, it's not <laughs> how you play, it's how you don't play a game, I guess. Um, and then they, give out uh, food to all the women um, and they're so hungry. They just haven't eaten in years or something. And they decide, Hey, you know, who cares about this competition? Let's go to Dairy Queen and eat some ice cream and we'll just be friends. And then, then plot twist, Mr. Plots comes in and it turns out the Warners stole the invitation to be a judge and um, he wants it back. So they're like, Oh, Okay. We'll um, we'll we'll put a sash on you and things. It turns out he's not going to be a judge, though. They're making him a contestant, and now the uh, former beauty uh, pageant contestants are the judges, and they're uh, and now all the uh, it's the Mr. Chairman of the Board Beauty Contest. So they have to uh, walk around half naked and answer insane questions while millions stare at their butts, and that's how. That's basically the end of the comic, I guess. Yeah, that, a little that, a little social commentary, I suppose, on you know flipping the tables and making the men dress up in sc- scantily clad um, boxers. Even though, who <laughs> would want to see these these fat CEOs um, <laughs> running around the place? But who knows? Uh, so yeah, there you go. There's our there's our first story. 
of uh, of this. Now, let's go ahead and talk about some of the the moments that uh, there wasn't. I don't really think there was any references to anything. At least nothing really stood out. I mean, there was that reference, I guess, with Rock of Gibraltar, which could have been a uh, uh, you know reference to the uh, the episode with uh, Quiz Me Quick. Uh, what was that? It was yeah. called. Uh, Oh gosh, I know. I always know the name of the game show, but not the episode. It's called uh, Puppet. No, not Puppet Rulers. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, it's Quiz Me Quick. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We all know the one we're talking about. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that was nice to see. But um, what were some of the moments that you uh, you thought were were cool, um, Kelly? Uh, you know, there was the Rock of Gibraltar part. I'm assuming you thought that part was cool. Was there anything else that you thought was? Uh... Yeah, that was my favorite part. Um... <laughs> I thought it was, I liked um, Dot's costume when she wore the curlers and bathrobe. Because yes. she had the thing on her head and it reminded me of Queen, Queen Amidala's head. It did look like a little headpiece that she had in her hair. It looked, I, I was thinking like 1920s or 30s, like weird ornamental headdress in her hair. But yeah, it does look like Queen Amidala. And this was yeah, before, I went Star Wars. yeah, this is before Queen Amidala. So I'm, I'm guessing, you know, George Lucas must have been subscribed to the, he does like comic books, we know. So <laughs> I'm guessing that George Lucas subscribed to the Animaniacs comic book and saw that and said, I'm going to make that for uh, the queen and <laughs> put it right into totally. it. Yeah. So there you go. So there you go. The origins of Queen Amidala are in this comic. Uh, uh, I thought, I gotta tell you, it, I kind of felt a mixture of like, they were like commenting on the silliness. I know like, what you're about to say. Yeah. They're, they're, they're commenting on the silliness and stuff of beauty pageants, but at the same time, it kind of felt like, should they really be attacking these women and hitting them with mallets and, yeah. and stuff <laughs> and, and making fun of their teeth and, and oh, see, I thought you were going to be talking about the whole thing about their food. Oh, and yeah, the food thing, too. too. Like, I'm getting minerals from my lip gloss. I, and uh, yes. I thought that was a little, uh, that that panel in particular was a little over the top as yeah. far as like, beauty pageant. Yeah, and then immediately they're, they're fat, like, in the next panel, basically. It's yeah, like, yeah. No, so they're kind of, no. yeah, so there was kind of, like, a commentary, like, like, Oh, we're going to have the men like, how do you like it when people stare at your butts and comment on you? But at the same time, it was, it was kind of, it wasn't, it, it didn't put women in the, in the best light, I think, in no. this. So I, I really we know that it's a very competitive industry right. and, and we'll go to great lengths, but it's, it's not always healthy. And, um, I don't know. I just didn't think that was particularly funny, but maybe. And maybe nowadays it's less funny than it would have been back then when when this was written. But yeah, I didn't think it was all that. Yeah, because it didn't seem like because none of the women in this again. I, I'm just thinking of like when they're like I, it kind of upset me when they're just chasing them around with a mallet. Like I'm going to hit them. I'm going to hit them. <laughs> you know, like and I'm thinking yeah. to myself, these women are not like bad people. <laughs> they're just they're in a competition. Maybe this competition is stupid, but it's not their. You know, it's not like they're being jerks to the Warners, like get off the stage and all that stuff. You know, it's I didn't see any reason for violence to be put onto these. Yeah, it's not women. morally wrong or anything. Yeah, they're just doing it. And it might be, you know, silly and stupid for them to be doing it. But it doesn't mean you have to hit them with a mallet, wacko. So that kind of made me step back. And I still liked certain parts like that. Even though I didn't really like the, I didn't like that she got hit by the rocket Gibraltar because I was like, "What did she do?" She was just, and especially when right. she started trying to escape the mallet. I did. I mean, artistically though, I did like how the panel itself is crumbled and it looks cool, but I just don't like. <laughs> I like it, but yeah, I don't I like it. <laughs> artistically, I like this comic a lot. Like when they do the ugly faces, I like yeah, all the ugly and like, faces. Like it stretches giving. the face, and the women are well, willing the, to even in the. First panel, where they're just all doing ugly faces of that. Um, you see them sticking their tongue out and putting their jaw out. I don't know. And yeah. Dot looks really cool as a frog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and um, and Peeking the Brain are in that first panel of the at the very first panel of the comic. Oh. So I think artistically, there's lots of like little art things that are cool. Oh but... yeah, there's Peeking the Brain. They're they're the part of the 
reporters and at the paparazzi yeah. <laughs> basically to take pictures of people as they come out of to the take things. over the world yeah I, yeah we must take over the world uh, by posing as reporters and <laughs> wait a minute not the best plan but, that's why they didn't dedicate a story to it uh, well anyway <laughs> well let's go ahead and move on to the next story um the next story is minerva drama And Minerva Drama was written by Dana Curtin. The penciler was Cosme Quitieri. Inker was, uh, was Scott McRae. The letterer was Teresa Davidson. And colorist was Joe Mignot. And Kelly, we all know that Minerva Mink is your favorite character. So... Totally. <laughs> can you please tell us what happens here in Minerva Drama? Okay. Uh... Nerva's at her house and, you know, kind of hanging out, singing herself. And Newt, the dog, sees her and decides that he needs to get her for his master, uh, whomever his master is. And so he tells her that he's going to foreclose on her house or he'll dynamite it. And she starts kind of flirting with him. And uh, he... Uh, obviously really likes her because everybody likes Minerva. And then um, he says, uh, what say we blow this popsicle stand, babe? And well, he's kind of like a horn, like a, what do you call it? <laughs> his um, nose turns like into whistle. like, yeah, his nose turns yeah. into like this whistle horn when she mm. starts flirting. And then I think it's the nose that actually says, let's blow this popsicle stand. So and he's like, blow, get it. And um, <laughs> I, I, Maybe it's just me. <laughs> I was like, um, good night, everybody. <laughs> and um, and because uh, then he's embarrassed and uh, ends up blowing himself up with the dynamite. And then he tries to use reverse psychology and he ties himself to a railroad track. You know, like one of those old timey stories, which is the perils of Penelope or something like that. Yeah. And so he thinks maybe she'll come and rescue him. And she says that uh, men do, some men definitely do not deal well with rejection. And she uh, leaves him and she starts writing in her diary. And uh, he gets run over by the train. And then he starts approaching her with some rope. And she's like, why you dog you, but rope chafes my skin. Got any handcuffs? And again, I say good night, everybody. Yeah, this part especially, I was like, and, "Whoa!" Because then she's laying there in a bikini, and I'm, I'm like, "Is this for kids?" And she's, I, yeah, and she's holding out her hands, like you know, I'm waiting, and I'm yeah. just like, "Whoa!" So, <laughs> and then he's like, "Stop that! Behave yourselves!" Uh, talking to his leg because his leg starts thumping like uh, Thumper and uh, the Bambi, <laughs> and. Um, she says, you could have at least bought me dinner first. And uh, then he ties her to a table. And uh, she talks about how long it takes her to fix her hair. And she gets arm cramps because she blows her hair upside down and gets dizzy. And it's just, like, way too traumatic. And, you know, she's like, I've been wearing this cute belt all day. And you haven't said a thing about it. And so then he's going to untie her so he can admire it fully. And then she punches him, and it's like, that's one heck of a belt, all right. Huh. And then um, <laughs> he uh, all of a sudden decides that personality is more important than good looks. And, oh, wait, no, no, I'm sorry, she says that. Yes. Uh, she says it, and she has a uh, sudden hankering for short, sensitive types. But then she sees this other uh, dude show up. And he's looking for a mink for his master. And she thinks he's totally attractive. And uh, jumps into his arms. And then he uh, takes her away. And uh, Newt the dog says, I'll get you next time, little mink foiled again. So I don't know who all these masters are that people are. I mean, I guess they're dogs. And so the dogs have a master act. I don't know why, why their master would need a mink. There's so many questions. Well, there is, yeah, there is the the original one I think where uh, Rob Paulson Hunter just kind of sets Newt out to go find the mink, 
and it almost felt like a kind of a sequel to that original. Oh, okay. remember that? Yeah. So yeah, it's like uh, yeah, Rob Paulson voiced the hunter, and he just said, "Oh, go get me the mink." So he's just spent the entire time. Oh no, you mean the cartoon? Not yes, the exactly. Not oh, in this one. It's, so it's Minerva. I didn't pay that much attention to Minerva. <laughs> exactly. Kind of. Yeah. Well, anyway, this is yeah. There is some definite adult innuendo in this one for sure. Um, Nathan, were there any moments in here that uh, were of note for you? Um. Oh boy. Uh. You know, it's all just Minerva Mink. I... <laughs> it's kind of the same old, same old, isn't it? it kind right. of... um, Good answer. Good answer. Doing uh reverse psychology, although he wasn't doing it very well. Just, He's like, please he help say, me, don't Mink. Save me. Yeah. yeah or don't like... save me, and then she'll save. I, again, the the idea of how Newt was going to capture. He wanted to capture Minerva. Right, so he's like, I'm going to capture her in different ways. Like, I'm going to pretend like I'm the the guy, I'm the banker, and I'm going to blow up your house if you don't come with me. Or I'm going to, you know, come, you know, free me, and then I'll take you. I guess I'll capture you after you free me. But then there's the whole part where she he ties her up with rope and then puts her on a buzz saw. Like, why are you doing that? Like, what was the like? Number one, you've caught Minerva. You've t- you've tied her. Aren't yeah. you supposed to be taking her to your master? But all of a sudden, you want to. Your are you, is it? Does it turn into? I'm going to chop you in half unless you, like, fall in love with me or something. I again, I don't know what the. It, it just it was not, it was not structured very well to the point. Yeah, like I didn't I mean, understand his motivation for, at times. At the beginning, he's like, oh, I'm going to get you. But then he's like, oh, she's too pretty to get. So I better trick her into getting her. Like, what? Like, what? What? Just uh, it doesn't make any sense. But yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, all in all, you know, it's it's a, you know, it, it I, I will say this. Newt was right on model. You know, he looked really good. I could I, it it felt, you know, just, you know, it looked like a Minerva cartoon. It was mm-hmm. it had that. A very strong adult innuendo with especially with the handcuffs thing where it was like whoa yeah uh, there's no other way to take that one. no there <laughs> is none there's no other like that was very direct like kids comic book hello uh, but yeah let's just go ahead and move on let's go to <laughs> let's go to no substitute for laughter Uh, no Substitute for Laughter was written by David Cody Weiss. The penciler was Leonardo Batik. The skinker, stinker, the inker was Scott McRae. What a stinker. Uh, letter was Bob Panaha and the colorist was Dave Tangway. And this is a Slappy Squirrel uh, story. It starts off with Slappy, who's trying to uh, make some food. I guess, you know, Skippy's gone off to school. And so she's uh, watching kind of a Julia Child kind of thing, except this is Julia Gibbon and uh, with the Gibbering Gourmet show. And she's in the middle of trying to reach and stir and, and fix things with her feet at the same time. And everything kind of crashes down. And she's like, ah, I'm just going to make some walnut fritters and or walnut salad, I should say. Uh, so she opens the cupboard and there's Skippy. And poor Skippy's all sad. He's crying. And why? Well, because his teacher, his substitute teacher, is mean and says that he's, you know, he's not a good student and stuff. And he, he says, I don't want to be a grade, a grade school dropout, Aunt Slappy. And you know, he says, oh, come on. Cut the waterworks. What makes you think the substitute hates you? And she says, I'm, I'm undisciplined and that I have too wild of an imagination. And... That doesn't really bother Slappy, but what does bother Slappy is when Skippy says, she says you're a bad influence on me. And all of a sudden, that's what gets her really upset. But the shock is that this teacher, this substitute, she must be retired or something and coming back to sub. Because Skippy, or Slappy, that is, went to this same school that Skippy went to. And when they walk in the door... The substitute teacher, who must be very old at this point, turns out to be Slappy's teacher from when she was in school. And they kind of go off about how, you know, this teacher doesn't have a sense of humor or anything. And that, uh, you know, Slappy never gave the right answers. Everything was 
you know, a joke for her. Like, uh, the capital of Wyoming was W and, uh, Slappy says a kind of obscure joke with everyone knows the capital of Wyoming is a dollar 98, which I had to think for a moment and go, Oh, capital like money. I get it now. Well, I know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It took me a few moments. Like what the heck is she talking about? Between the three of us, one of us should get this. Yes. Um, Capital of Wyoming is, yeah. It was like, Oh, money like capital. Right. That, that makes sense to you guys now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's still not funny. And they proceed to like say, we're going to make this teacher laugh. So what ends up making this, they're trying to teach this teacher that, you know, laughter is great. And so they try some jokes and it doesn't really work because the jokes aren't funny. (laughs) They eventually try kind of a joke where uh, it's a little slapsticky where they say, this is a, let's try visual aids. Uh, Think of algebra. Uh, it's uh, like a, a patsy with pie plus banana peel and the victim equals and it's kind of a cake on her slappy's head. And that makes the teacher laugh a little bit. And so they up the ante and they make it a bunch of cakes that fall o- all over slappy. And that really makes the teacher laugh so much that uh, she starts throwing pies at slappy and says, ah, this is so much fun. The end. So it's a kind of a short story, not much of a story to it. But it was drawn pretty well, I thought. It had some cute little moments, and Skippy's cute, and even when he's crying, it's kind of, you know, feel sorry for him. But mm, I don't know. Were there any moments in this that you thought were amusing or of note, I should say, at least? Uh, Kelly, let's start with you. Uh, I thought it was cute when he said he didn't want to be a grade school dropout. <laughs> uh, Nathan, what about you? Um. I, I guess is that Julia Childs? Is that what's yeah, supposed to be like a Julia TV? Child kind of yeah parody? Yeah, yeah, that's what She's I got. Cooking and falls over. I don't know. There's not nothing in this that it was. <laughs> the the here's the thing where it says Julia, the Julia Gibbon thing. I actually had uh, flash flashes to the Star Wars uh, holiday special or Christmas oh, special no. because yeah the the Julia Gibbon or whatever it is says, okay, remember one hand pours the milk while the other hand blends smoothly. And then the other uh, left foot opened the door and she's doing all this stuff. And it just reminds me of like that stupid sketch in the star Wars holiday special where they're like, whipster, whipster, whip, whipster or something like that. And uh, you guys have any idea what I'm talking about? I put that out of my mind completely. Yeah. (laughs) Stir, whip, 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 stir. And like the person has four hands and yeah. Yeah. Never see the Star Wars Holiday Special unless you're watching it with Riff Tracks commentary, by the way. Or alcohol. Or alcohol. Or a combination thereof. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> so, there you go. Anyway, um, there, there's, you know, it's it's short. I'll give it that. I wish it was a little uh, funnier, obviously, because the jokes that they're doing are, are just not that great. But, you know, I, I, again, I thought it was drawn really well. I think... I think uh, I, I like the I like how the 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 teacher squirrel looks like she's taller and she's, I thought she should have looked even older. Yeah, she's, she doesn't look, look much older than Slappy, if older than Slappy at all. Like maybe she was just a a young teacher. Like maybe she was only like in her twenties. You know, when she started teaching, that's possible. You could have Didn't, a teacher in their twenties. Like, I guess I'd have to look at what uh, how Slappy was describing her least favorite teacher but i thought she was calling her old and <laughs> well and that's the other thing too it's like with cartoons it's like you know who knows how they age and everything it's it's just all mixed up and the more you think about it the more confused and upset you're going to get so i think before we get to our water tower rating i should talk we should talk about some of the things that i really did like in this comic book and that's actually the advertisements in this comic um because there were some things that like Right at the end, they have a commercial or a cartoon for uh, for Virtual Boy. Yep, <laughs> and that's all my the, favorite ad. <laughs> the favorite ad was Virtual Boy. Did, did either one of you ever get a chance to put your head into a Virtual Boy before they all uh, disappeared? And I did. Yeah, I think no. I think Nathan and I used to do that. Like we used to have, you know, after church we go to the mall. And we went to like software, et cetera, or something like that. And they had one Sears on, or something. Yeah, yeah, and they would have it. And so this is. A uh, new look for the third dimension. They're selling this game, the Virtual Boy, for just ninety nine dollars, which I'm assuming is discounted. 
And here's all the great retailers that you can go to. Let's see how many of these still exist today. Babbage's? Nope. <laughs> Best Buy? Yes. Electronics Boutique? Nope. Fred Meyer? I don't know. Maybe. I think they're still going out of business, but yeah. yeah. Hills? Still I've never heard of Hills. KB, no. KB is gone. Uh, Meyer? M-E-I-J-E-R? I've never heard of them. Um, they're in Michigan. I know. Oh, Michigan? Okay. Nothing Beats the Whiz? What? I never heard of that. Uh, Sears? Sort of still never around? Heard of it. <laughs> pretty much done. <laughs> Software Etc.? Gone. Target is still around. Toys R Us? Gone. It's gone. No. Yeah. So we got two, three? Maybe? Two or three are still around. And it's all the Virtual <laughs> Boy's fault. It bankrupted everybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing, the other advertisement of note that I saw here was the Olympia sales club where it was, they were in all these different comic books for years. It says you can earn prizes or cash. And they were, you know, these things where they, you basically sell magazines or candy and then, uh, at incredibly inflated prices so that your neighbors never actually wanted to buy them. And then with the promise that you'd get awesome things like a Sega Genesis or a mountain bike or I uh, let's see, these are some rollerblades I see. Like that looks pretty cool. Uh, or some a Chicago Bulls hat. Or a Virtual Boy. There's a Virtual Boy. <laughs> or a Goosebumps uh, LCD game. There's like all these. Or you know, like you know, sell 14 items. If you just sell 14 items, you can get a tent. That's wow. Or you sell eight items, you can get a Looney Tunes doll. You know, so it seemed like such a great uh, deal. I did try this one time uh and because i would always get the archie comic books as a kid and i think i sold one item because <laughs> no one <laughs> wanted to i never got what i wanted it was so sad um but do you guys remember any of these uh things any other any other advertisements stood out for you guys because those were the two that i saw and i was like ooh. there was the one for matilda yes the matilda the movie which I read the book and I never really got all the way through the the movie. I like. I the haven't book. seen it either. I just thought I just was like, oh, I remember when that movie came out. Well, good advertisements, if anything. But let's go ahead and give this comic book a water tower rating. <laughs> So out of five water towers, how many would you give issue 17 of the Animaniacs comic book? Let's go ahead and start with you, Nathan. Um, oh, boy. Okay. Um, you know, I'll just give it like, I don't know, two and a half. Uh, I didn't find any of them really funny, but I did like art on all of them. So maybe I could go higher. I don't know. I could, I always forget what I give the last one, but it's <laughs> it's pretty You average. just have to go with your gut, I suppose. It's uh, not the worst comic I've read, but it's not the best one. So, mm-hmm. you know, was two and a half. It's fine. <laughs> all right. Kelly, what about you? I'm going to go with two. Uh, it wasn't really funny, and um, I don't like Minerva. (laughs) There's not a lot for me there, other than Rock of Gibraltar. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was about to give it three, but yeah, it's just not as funny as it could have been. It looked great. There was a lot of stuff, but um, yeah, I'll give it two and a half. I'll round it down a little bit. Again, nothing horrible or anything uh, perfectly fine, but I wish it was a little bit funnier. Just a little bit. Well, anyway, let's go ahead and get to some contact information. Nathan, where can people get in contact with you online? Oh, okay. Well, um, I'm on Twitter, Joey. Uh, Django FT, that's me. And Kelly, what about you? I'm on Twitter also, uh, Yoda Princess, Y O D A P R N C S S, where you can find me email kelly at All right, and as for the Animaniacast, we're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And of course, you can look at all of our previous episodes by simply subscribing to the Animaniacast on your favorite podcast player. And hey, you can also go to Animaniacast.com and that will link you directly to our archives over at RetroZap. RetroZap.com is the place to go to for Uh, great articles on everything pop culture and tons of podcasts as well in fact if you subscribe to the RetroZap podcast feed you can get every single one of those fantastic podcasts including 
this one <laughs> delivered straight to your device absolutely for free. So you should do it. And uh, hey, Discord, discord.animaniacast.com. That'll allow you to get a link right into the RetroZap Discord channel where you can talk about all things pop culture, including Animaniacs. So come on over there and we'll talk about stuff. (laughs) Well, with that, let's go ahead and close things up. So for Nathan and Kelly, this is Joey saying good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, Tiny Toon Adventures, Freakazoid, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respected trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacast unless otherwise indicated. Today's show was brought to you by Audible.com. Go to audible.animaniacast.com to pick up two free downloads. That's audible.animaniacast.com.